Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, Inquiring Minds producer Adam Isaac here. Our show this week is extra special because it was recorded live on stage in Atlanta for this year's Dragon Con. So I want to give a special thanks to Dragon Con for bringing us out and especially to Stephen Grenade for all of his help along the way. So like I said, this is a slightly different than usual and recorded live on stage episode. And I guess what I'm really trying to say is that we swear a lot more in this one and you might not want to listen to it with your kids. Sorry about that. Or uh, you're welcome. And finally, another huge thanks to those of you who have decided to support us on Patreon since we launched our account last week. It's support from you that will make more live shows like this and a ton more stuff possible. And if you're already a patron, you can see some behind-the-scenes photos or watch the video of this entire show at patreon.com slash inquiringminds. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash inquiringminds. Thank you so much for your support. It's Friday, September 11th, 2015, and you're listening to Inquiring Minds. I'm Indre Viscontis. And I'm Kishore Hari in a wig. Each week, we bring you a new in-depth exploration of the space where science, politics, and society collide. We endeavor to find out what's true, what's left to discover, and why it all matters. You can find us online at inquiringshow.tumblr.com, on Twitter at inquiringshow, and on Facebook at slash inquiringmindspodcast. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or any other podcasting app. And we're live here at DragonCon. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter code MINDS, that's M-I-N-D-S, at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. And this episode is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips. With over 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of 80% off the original price of Practicing Mindfulness, an introduction to meditation. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash inquiringminds to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash inquiringminds. So today is a real special treat for our live show. So I used to be a chemist, and uh, I'm quite the food lover. So there's two no perfect, two no more perfect people to be on today's show other than the incredible incredible scientist slash voiceover actor, Lucky Yates. Oh my God. That's really me? Hi, everybody. Hello. Thank you for that very kind introduction. And if you don't follow this forensic chemist on Twitter, you're doing yourself a disservice. Please welcome Dr. Rubidium Ray Burks. Thank you, thank you. I'm sitting next to Dr. Krieger, or more importantly... Actually, you're sitting in between Dr. Krieger's. True that. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a Krieger sandwich. Wow. <laughs> For those of you that meat. are listening at home, uh, I am dressed as Dr. Krieger, and I have to say, I think I look more like him than you do, Lucky. Uh, you do. Uh, your beard is certainly more handsome than mine. Oh, well, thank I'm you. kidding. Touché. She does not have a beard. She's very beautiful. Uh, yeah, you, Kishore, you, you though. look great. 
You look fucking hot, dude. Thank you. Kishore is dressed as a lot of people don't know her actual name is Mitsuko, or Mitsuko, however you say it in, in the uh, native Japanese. Wait, uh, was her name, name ever on the show? Uh, last season, it was on her bowling shirt. <laughs> Their bowling team, the bowling puns. You know what? Uh, yeah, I rocked like a, a 190 one bowling average. So this, yeah, is, yeah. 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 Uh, there was uh, there was a family last night uh, in the bowling shirts, and uh, the Mitsuko had her name on her. Wait, uh, we, uh, we should back up a little bit. Uh, what show are we talking about here? We're talking about the Archers. <laughs> the Archers. Yeah. So there's a whole. It's family about of them. a gang of kids in Riverdale that are also spies. Yes. When they're not hanging out at the soda to, shop. Today's special show is on the science of Archer, which is a, a amazing cartoon slash family drama. I wouldn't call it a family anything. Uh, family being that the it's sort of about a family of co-workers, uh, but it's not one for the kiddies, most certainly. There's a lot of filthy, 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 filthy things that happen on Archer. How did you end up on the show? Uh, it's, uh, it's produced here in Atlanta. And uh, I, I am friends with uh, some of the animators and uh, actually the producer and writer of shows, the shows uh, C-Lab 2021 and Frisky Dingo, which were on Adult Swim. Uh, Adam Reed is the creator, writer of Archer, and Matt Thompson is the executive producer, and those guys have been working together forever. So when they were doing those shows, uh, some of our group, uh, Amber Nash, who plays Pam, uh, and she and I Pam! Were, yeah! <laughs> Holy shit snacks! That's my best fan. Uh, we work in a theater group together called Dad's Garage Theater here in town doing improv, and some of our improvisers were also animators on their show, so they brought us in to do voices on that, and then when they got Archer started, <laughs> they hired uh, Amber immediately, and Krieger didn't talk for the first few episodes. He was this weird, silent guy. And uh, that weirdness is retained. But, yes. uh, but yeah, now he has a voice. And so when they, like the third or fourth episode came along and they were like, yeah, we got to cast somebody for him. And they didn't know how big the role was going to be or anything like that. So they didn't quite know what they wanted to do with it. So Amber was in there uh, recording and they showed her uh, a drawing of Krieger. And they were like, who do you think? should play this guy and she was like lucky and they were like yeah great and that was it and did you did you know it was this crazy scientist when, before no, you were not, well I mean yes because I, I think the first line Krieger has is I call him Fister Roboto like you know <laughs> like well, that's how you started uh, about a fisting robot so you know yeah, yeah I did the first episode he was and he like uh, if you go back and watch the it's a it's a an episode called Killing Utney, uh, and from I sound like I'm drunk because my direct oh shit who brought a cell phone yeah hold on guys we're getting hold a on. call from the hotel yeah hello oh. <laughs> this is this is this is really intense man this is. Oh shit! They are shutting this show down. Oh good. Yeah, okay. Oh. Hi, welcome to the Hilton. Thanks for coming. Everything okay? You guys okay? I'm sorry, we're well, booked up. Labor Day weekend. There's no cups though. There's no, there's no glasses, but there's only plastic cones. Uh, so the rest is history. Uh, you know, the first episode, I sound like I'm drunk because my direction was make them sound like you have too much spit in your mouth, and so I did that. How, how do you actually do the voice? Is it just your voice, or are you... Yeah, I just go into my deeper... I go into my lower register. I'm just like, oh, I'm down here, as opposed to everything else. So tell me what a voiceover session is like when you have literally one line in the show. Like, uh, you know, which is a lot. I mean, that ups. happens a lot for me. Yeah. Uh, Krieger's a he's, a... he's a joke machine. Like, you go in, you say something hilarious, and you're out of there. It's the perfect role. I've never worked longer than 15 minutes on the show. It's preposterous <laughs> that I'm... "Quote unquote famous." It's so stupid. Uh, but uh, you may not have a job after these comments. <laughs> no, I say I say this all the time because I'm friends with all the animators, and those guys work tirelessly for like 80 hours a week, making the show so beautiful and all that shit. And I'm some asshole that rolls in for 15 minutes every three weeks and farts out a couple of lines that I'm reading off a script. I have to memorize my words. And then I leave. I can be in my pajamas, which sometimes I am. Uh, we I record. recommend a corset next uh, time. Do you? You look, <laughs> you look rather fetching in it. 
Oh, <laughs> how dainty. Uh, so, I, you know, I go in, I read a script, they maybe give me some directions, and then I split. It's the best. It's ridiculous. Do they actually intentionally try to get science into this show on purpose, the writers and animators? It's only it's all Adam Reed. It's uh, Adam Reed writes every single word. Is he a science nerd or something? He seems he's just to be a nerd. Into it. Yeah, he's just, oh yeah, he totally is. Uh, he, he's a he's a big history buff. Uh, and yeah, he's just he's a yeah. If it's if it's something that's really cool, Adam's into it. There's one thing I want to talk about before we get into the, the yeah. science. And I was on Reddit. All good stories start with that phrase, by the way. I was on Reddit, mm -hmm. and I saw about the ci secret cipher that's inside of Archer. Do you know about this? In all of last season, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was intense, man. So that was two of the animators uh, did that. They came and presented this idea of this Easter egg that... I mean, like, I can't even begin to explain it uh, because it's so technologically intense. But there were, like, a series of numbered codes that would appear somewhere in the episode, be it on a computer screen or a barcode, or there was one episode where there was some static or something, but if you filtered that through one specific type of thing, then you got a numbered readout, and that led to something else, and it all, like for the entire season, it all led to this one website. No, there were Craigslist ads yeah. that they posted so of it Krieger was, looking it, for army members. It was originally like, an army. It was the you had to do a replacement cipher, then you had to do a hex translation, then you had to then it sent you to a website where you had to like type in a special password, then it gave you an audio or no a video file that you had to decode in a in a, a simulator, which gave you another code to go to the Craigslist ad, which sent you to a website, which is Krieger's personal website. Well, and to get into that, ultimately, there was some sort, there was one page that there was like some button that you had to hit. It had to be hit one million times. And so some people just sat there like hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. I don't know who figured it out that we have to keep hitting this thing in order to get to the next level. But, you know, and it went out on Reddit of like, you guys got to help us out. We got to get this thing up. Something's going to happen. And it eventually did. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and then you got like hilarious little... Krieger, his pictures of bathrooms, and like there was a a, a game of Cheryl uh, burning uh, Mallory's office. Uh, it was like an eight-bit video game, and of her wandering around with a can of gas, and uh, Milton the toast bot was in the way, and they were like little. Uh, it was a, kind of a difficult eight-bit game. It was great though. Uh, it's still around. It's it's unbelievable. And there was just two animators. They presented the idea, and the producers were like. Sure, man. If you if that's what you want to do, go for it. We don't understand what you're saying. Um, this I don't know what the result is if, if that has even come to pass yet. But they created an Emmy category this this year based on this thing, a sort Wait, of a, like audience participatory best Easter egg in a something in like a that. Yes, family drama right. cartoon. Yeah, of use of letting. <laughs> Letting the audience in on something that wasn't, you know, just like that no commercial could possibly tell you what to do. It's so pretty awesome. How does someone discover that kind of thing? I mean, they just watch the show and they're like random num numbers. Yeah, pop I don't up. know. That, Andre, it's Reddit. There are, <laughs> there are, I'm assuming there are people looking for Easter eggs and shit constantly. That's wow. the only way I can, I, I mean, it's way beyond me. I have no clue. Humanity is baffling. Yeah, it really is, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, there's got to be something here. These numbers must mean something. <laughs> And then they did, and it's like, well, shit. Now, what, do we have to do that that's all the time like, now? What, that's like a, the what a drag! Kind of reinforcement, right? This like interval reinforcement, where like the one time that you you know you get it, you get this you know. There is a dopamine. secret Easter egg in this episode. <laughs> there is not. If you play it one million times. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Oh yes, download it a million times. Right. And we promise we'll send you something awesome. <laughs> You'll get an old shirt. <laughs> Since we have Dr. Krieger here, I thought we could talk about the science of Dr. Krieger's best moments on the show. Great. And I think first up is we have to talk about who I think is your best friend on the show. Yes. The who? wonderful, dearly departed Piggly. You say dearly departed, but there are a series of Piggly's. 
Piggly 3 is still kicking, and he's my favorite Piggly. There was so much radiation in Piggly 3. Well, let's back up. What is, <laughs> All right. what is Piggly? Piggly is a, a series of pig, sometimes pig-human experiments that Krieger works with in his lab. He works with them and on them, and sometimes creates them. Do you think he likes Piggly? I think he loves. I think he loves Piggly Three absolutely. I think Piggly Three is his buddy. Piggly Three is the glowing green one, and that he fed a bunch of North Koreans to <laughs> after he tried to sell them the plutonium that made Piggly Three grow or glow. What, uh, Piggly Two. Piggly Two was killed at Fourth of Jaluau. <laughs> That's what happened to Piggly Two. And then Piggly One. Piggly one, and Krieger guns down. Uh, you see it. Uh, there's a flashback of him shooting Piggly. That'll do, Piggly. Yeah, he, so he kills him. Do you think there's any real science here that there is the possibility of a, a pig-human hybrid? I don't know. Aren't pigs, like, aren't they genetically close to, or something? Isn't there? There's a, there's a close connection between humankind and pig kind, right? Like, our, our organs are all put the same, together the same way and in the same spots or something does, like that. Does that mean there's like a human I, bacon? I am oh. only getting this because I watched Gangs of New York and yeah. Bill the Butcher explains it. Wait, so um, so sometimes, we, you know, often we start our show with a science in the news segment, and so preparing for the show, I did a little bit of research on is there any, you know, newsy science about pigs and humans, and it turns out in fact there is. Uh, so a, a highly citable source, the dailymail.co.uk <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, has an article about an American geneticist named Dr. Eugene McCarthy, who has a theory that humans evolved as they are when a female chimpanzee mated with a pig. Wait, what? <laughs> a true story. Uh, it's not at all a true story. It's a, it's a blog post. But by this we geneticist. weren't there. How do we know it's not true? A monkey didn't bang a pig and a little man popped out. <laughs> yes. We don't know that. Your command of evolution is amazing. <laughs> I'm going, just going by a 2,000-year-old book, guys. But well, his evidence comes from the fact that um, he, he suggests that pigs are the only other animals that have pri uh, you know, primarily hairless skin and subcutaneous fat. So therefore, we must be at least a little bit descendant of pigs. Well, we do use pigs to um, model human decay. So if you wanted to look about, you know, how would a certain body, if you buried it, if you left it out, how would the insects attack it? So you want to do some kind of corpse study in a forensic science setting. Um, it's best to use a pig model for that exact reason. But wait, what about the body farm that's somewhere? Where is that body yes, farm? Yes, There's a body farm. There what? There is, Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah, right up the street, guys. Yes. <laughs> There's a body farm. There is a body farm. They get donations. So you can donate your body to When you donate science. your body to science. You can donate your body to just sit in various and hang and go into water. They do all types of body disposal things. Um, but when human cadavers are not available, the next best thing is a pig. Yeah, so this is called the monkey fucking a pig hypothesis. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least by one of his critics. And I That's actually <laughs> written in this thing. Wait. I'm, I'm quoting the article. That's a quote. Yeah, a yeah, a critic like, named it that? Wow. <laughs> How did he not name it that? Yeah, there's one more quote from the article I'd like to share with our listeners, and that is, unsurprisingly, Dr. McCarthy's hypothesis has come in for substantial criticism from orthodox evolutionary biologists and their creationist opponents alike. So it's, That's not the... Yes. That's an awesome quote. That's not the best quote here. Uh, uh, hang on one second. He adds, quote, hybridizing a pig and a chimp is like taking half the dancers from a performance of Swan Lake. That's, I don't understand where this is going. That's the humans. And the other half from a performance of Giselle and throwing them together on stage to assemble something. It's going to be a catastrophe. Yeah, that's Peasy Myers. <laughs> oh, man. That, that, wow, yeah. That's great. That's just too confusing. Um, so... Pick. That's exciting. I hope that that's true. I, I have a friend uh, here in Atlanta, actually. She uh, used to work in a lab uh, sewing pig hearts together because they were using them for their valves in yep. human hearts. Yep. Pigs are an incredibly important uh, part of research. Yeah. Actually, my favorite uh, 
pig-human hybrid story, that's a weird phrase, uh, is we actually inject human blood into pigs to actually do some uh, testing. And in fact, a lot of the work on HIV was done by basically putting human blood into pigs and then testing sort of efficacy on various viral loads. That's right. We've advanced our understanding of HIV through pigly hybrids. That's right. Maybe Where would we be without pigly? Nowheresville. I think you, I think you're going to be talking to the writers next year about getting Piggly some real credit for what he's done for science. All right, uh, it's only one writer. I'll send it right to him. <laughs> there's send only one the, writer. It's only Adam Reed. Yeah, it's all. Every word is written. Even when there's another name on there, it's usually like they wrote a great story idea that he kind of liked, and then he just rewrote it. So what's the relationship between the animators and Adam Reed? I mean, does Adam Reed write the script for a show and then they get together and the animators talk about it? Is there any rewriting that happens? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, he, has to, he has to submit uh, to the network first for notes. But their notes are really not... They, they rarely make him change anything. What? Uh, On yeah. that show? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they only... You know what? I th in fact, I think the only thing they ever really said, no, you can absolutely not do that, is back when it was uh, before AJ came along, there was a character named the Wee Baby Seamus. Uh, and they, the bad guys, they were up on Archer's balcony, and the bad guys were up there, and they had their guns drawn, and Archer was going to throw the baby Seamus at them so that they had to drop their guns and catch him. And they were just like, no, you cannot throw a baby on the show. And they're like, but it's a cartoon baby. And they're like, no, you can't do it. But we can you know, say things like, you could drown a toddler in my panties right now. And that's okay. Let's keep going with the science instead of the baby throwing. Uh, baby throwing is science, guys. There's uh, <laughs> angles and arcs involved and wind Zach, resistance. Zach Smith would agree. <laughs> yeah, Zach Smith, former guest on here. He's the illustrator of smbcomics.com. Actually gave a talk on baby uh, catapulting. That's actually quite an enjoyable... Well, they used to lesson. do that once upon a time. So Zach says. Throw some, throw some <laughs> but, babies at uh, them, I believe was uh, ancient warfare. <laughs> It actually was part of warfare, according to his hypothesis. It totally didn't happen. Well, they used to catapult uh, plague-infested bodies over walls at people. That was sort Only of like early germ, <laughs> <laughs> early germ warfare involved the plague. I'm a history nerd. Uh, anyway, going back to how the show is made. So yeah, so then they, the what they do first is they will record the script and they edit that down to what they call a um, a radio show version. That if it's funny without pictures, they know they have a good episode. And then they just go like they storyboard it and then go from there. And I mean that thing it comes together fast. I cannot believe how the animators do it. That's why I'm always like, my fame is bullshit because these guys are really the stars of the show because they they work so hard and they do so amazingly well and every year the show looks more and more beautiful uh, and they, it happens so fast. Like I don't understand how, because there's only like a hundred people in that studio. You know, it's not like thousands of them. It's just like a, a group of people and they're usually working on more than one project at once. It's really great. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more Lucky Yates live at DragonCon after this. Building a website can be tough, and even if you do know your way around coding, creating something that looks good and works well is a time-consuming affair. Well, lucky for us, Squarespace makes it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful websites that look professionally designed regardless of skill level, no coding required. Not only does Squarespace provide you with intuitive and easy to use tools to create your website with, Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability. And you know you can trust in Squarespace for your website when millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world trust in them too. You can't beat the ease and simplicity of Squarespace. Squarespace gives you 24-7 online support and a beautiful website for only $8 a month. You can even get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for a year. Start a free trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code MINDS to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for Inquiring Minds. Thanks Squarespace for supporting Inquiring Minds. Squarespace, build it beautiful. And this episode is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses has been in production for 25 years and offers engaging lectures by top professors who are experts in their field. 
One course you could check out is Practicing Mindfulness, an Introduction to Meditation by Eastern Philosophy Professor Mark Musi of Rhodes College. It's one of the most interesting and comprehensive explorations of mindfulness out there. You'll learn how mindfulness, when correctly practiced, offers deep and lasting benefits for mental functioning and emotional health, as well as physical health and well-being. For a limited time, The Great Courses is giving a special offer to our listeners. Order Practicing Mindfulness and Introduction to Meditation and get 80% off the original price. But this 80% savings is only available for a limited time, so don't wait. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash inquiringminds to take advantage of this special offer. That's thegreatcourses.com slash inquiringminds. Let's keep talking about the science. No. <laughs> let's keep talking about cartoon. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm let's sorry. No, let's talk about the science. No, no. We, no I wanted to. I think Krieger's quintessential moment on the show mm. was the Krieger cleanse. Do you remember the Krieger cleanse? Yeah, of course. Yeah, he was doing. He was like, because there were drug tests coming up, and so he created this Krieger cleanse to, as a way to flush their systems. But it was really an experiment to see how they were going. It was like either LSD laced or something, uh, and Pam went ballistic on it. Well, uh, Cheryl thought the floor had turned into lava. Yeah, she was. She got naked on the toilet. Yeah, and was crying. I think um, uh, Ray was a Decepticon. Yep. In, in yeah, 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 because he was cyborg at that point. Yes. <laughs> and uh, there's uh, there's one other thing, but basically, and Pam melted. That's what happened. Pam melted into a pile of goo, and but Pam escaped. And, and like the whole time, <laughs> Pam Krieger rages was, out. Yeah, she, <laughs> she's sort of our Hulk. The whole time, Krieger was doing like notes, like clinical. Yeah, notes. yeah, that's the thing. He 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 offered up this bullshit cleanse when he was really just drugging them to see the effects of whatever he was working on that we don't know uh, to, to see what the effects of that thing were. But the idea of, of uh, a masking agent, like even a tea, to actually get by a drug test, could that actually work? Golden seal is what they used to sell you at the head shops, which was <laughs> supposedly some thing that would flush the pot out of your system. So, Ray... Jump in here as our Let's go with our chemist. forensic chemist. Absolute bullshit. <laughs> um, um, absolutely, they do not work. There is, you know, for various reasons. Well, you know, you take drugs; they're they're going to metabolize on the time scale they do, and different drugs will metabolize differently, and they have different metabolites break down into different things, different metabolites. It takes, you know, some drugs it might just take a couple days. Some will take thirty days. Some could take three months. It depends too on are they, you know, are you going to pee into a cup? Are they going to take a blood sample? Um, are they going to actually, you know, take segments of your hair? Does that actually work? Does drugs show up in your hair? Absolutely. Depends on the drug too. Um, and so it's not going to work for everything. But not in a wig, right? No, uh, <laughs> yes, not, not for a wig. And, and by the way, just shaving your head will not deter someone for taking a hair sample from someplace else. Yeah. So it's an equal opportunity metabolite. It'll go to wherever there's hair. It, it, it just goes to where, you know, the path of least resistance. If, it's, if it shows up in the hair, it's going to show up in all body hair. So shaving your head, if they've ordered that type of test, you've got you to gotta be committed, man. You've got to go full hog. You're talking Brazilian. You're talking... Shave your butts. You're talking the whole hog. You're talking the whole hog. But if you could actually, you know, get rid of a lot of the fluids in your body, so like in the episode, for example, there's a lot of retching and, you know, various other ways of expunging uh, toxins from a body, can you minimize uh, the amount left in there? Or is it, is, you know, what's the time window... You know, I mean, I, I suppose if you just ingest it and then you, you know, vomit and everything within half an hour, do you, you know, do we know how effective that might be? It really does depend, too, on how, you know, which drug we're talking about, how fast Let's you... talk about LSD for some reason. So, okay, so, you know, <laughs> if, you've, if you're feeling the, the, the effects of LSD, then you've already absorbed... Uh, could potentially have already absorbed an appreciable amount to then be detected later. And they're not just looking for LSD... The, a good quality um, analytical test is going to look for anything that breaks down after LSD has been metabolized. So they're going to also look for, you know, when your body is metabolizing, it's breaking it down into to digestible bits. Either, e either it will use or you will pee out. Um, and so they're going to look for all of those. So, you know, as we have advanced, uh, you know, as I'm an analytical chemist, so my job is to find these chemicals in biological fluids. And as we advance in doing that, we go to, to, to smaller 
and smaller and smaller amounts. And the, the drug test you have taken maybe 20 years ago is it, the day, today are, are what we call limits of detection, the small amounts you could find. They're at least a factor of a thousand times better. So that means that we can start detecting even, quote, casual drug use versus, like, if you've seriously got a problem or even of the idea of, yeah, yeah, I took it, but then I vomited it right up. Yeah. Again, if you're feeling the effects, it's, it's too late. You can still vomit it up, and that will get out a mass of it. But, if you're, again, if you're feeling the effects for most toxicological screens, there's going to be enough there for us to find it. And then if you try to cover it up, you're going to look hella guilty. Because the other thing we're looking for is we're also keeping track of the things sold online and marketed and people on Reddit are posting, dude, totally use this thing. You know who else is on Reddit? Nice. <laughs> Scientist narcs are on Reddit. Yeah. Yes. Here first. Look at what all the cool kids are using. I should add that to my test. So a good, you know, and most of these drug tests are done, you know, if it's a hospital or a clinical setting, they're going to be done kind of in-house. But a lot of the workplace screening and that kind of thing that people are mostly concerned about, those are going out to private labs. That is their whole job is to develop. So there's no way tests. to beat any of these tests? Come on. The, well, here's what you got to, here's what you got to count on. You know, it, it depends too on the test. Are they going to monitor you while you pee? And a lot of them ah, will set up a monitoring system. What does um, that mean? Meaning that they, they're going to search you when you go in the bathroom. So smuggling in someone else's urine would be real tricky. And some tests, if they're super secure, literally someone is going to watch you pee. Yeah, didn't somebody famous just get busted for having a fake dick full of oh, that was in somebody the NFL. else's pee? <laughs> yeah. Somebody just got busted. People, people will try it. For uh, a faux wiener. And or or they're just they're just stupid and they'll get you know they'll get urine a lot some some even some especially you know again the higher what is who is the person being drug tested the more that their job is high profile the more that they've got you know some level of security clearance you can DNA test urine because when you pee male or female some skin cells are going to slough off and go into the cup and so you can DNA test urine if they're serious and you've tried to dupe them with someone else's sample, first they'll just do a gender screening because you'd be surprised how often someone who does that does not think that, sure. oh, well, I'll just get my You get your mom's, or yeah. Your mom's or whatever. Hey, hey grandma. Yeah, better hope. Why don't you slough off into this cup for a second? The cheapest thing they'll do is they'll just, you know, use a pregnancy kit or an ovulation kit because they can just buy those over the counter and check to see, you know, hey, what's going on there. They'll also look for any <laughs> menstrual blood. Um, and then the next thing they'll do is they'll go up and look for prostate um, antigens and say, okay, this is male. And then if they really want to get serious, they'll then, you know, if we really think something sneaky has gone on here, they'll do DNA. But a way around that cheaply is just, I'm going to watch you pee. You're going <laughs> to drop trout and I'm going to watch, I'm not, no, there's no fake dicks here. I'm going to watch real dick come out and watch me. Right. <laughs> so. what, what if you're pee shy though? What if you're like, dude, I can't pee, I can't pee with you looking at me, man. Make it work. That's, it's, Man, make it work. It's Tim Gunn, you know. Sir. Make it work. Because <laughs> you come over here and milk my wiener for me. <laughs> I can't possibly pee again, with you watching me. HR codes. I'm well, like, I'm sorry. I'm pee shy. <laughs> and and all, people also try to, like, dilute, right? They just try, if I can't vomit it all up, I'll just flush it all out, yeah. right? I'll drink tons of Gatorade. I'll take all yeah, the Yeah, electrolytes. Juice, That'll take whatever, care of it. Everything, yeah. That just dilutes your pee. That's a very, that's a, that's a telltale thing. You... Even the most, quote, hydrated person, if your pee is actually colorless, they are going to flag your sample because it will be dilute. That actually looks more suspicious, the appearance of it. Even like a physically fit person that's trying to stay hydrated still should be pale yellow. Like maybe guy's shirt here. That's so Spike Spiegel shirt right there. Like Krieger's shirt. Congratulations, audience yeah. member. You are wearing you are well uh, you are the correct urine. color of urine. Perfect pee. <laughs> yeah. When you get warmer later on, you can shed the rest of your clothing and just be, what are you supposed to be? I'm perfect pee. I think that's going to be the trending cosplay next year at Dragon It's Con. perfect pee. <laughs> so, Ray, I have one more question for you, though. As these tests become more and more you know, specific or uh, you know, have a better detection rate, are we worried? about false positives at all? Yes, I mean, well... Come on, yeah. tell me about the poppy seed bagels. The poppy seed thing mm -hmm. is so bullshit. Yeah, tell me about <laughs> being in my brother's room when he's smoking all that weed, but I don't smoke weed. Right. Uh, 
Well, that's the other thing is the is what fluids we're going to test and and at what levels. And most labs, you know, there's you're not looking at well, what if you know I was just in the room or or you know that kind of a thing. No, or I live gonna, in San Francisco. Or you, yeah, you just right. or you you went to Burning Man, right? Yeah. Look, I just got back from Burning Man. Like what can you or Dave Matthews Band concert back in the day? What are you so gonna do? You do? People still go to Dave um, Matthews Band concerts. I said back, <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day, they go to free ones now, I believe. Um, but they set they it's set true. a threshold. Oh, too too many Dave Matthews fans. Dave. Trippin' Billy's is my jam. You know it was. No. But they set a they set a threshold value. What you know, analytical chemists would think. Okay, this is not explainable by, in the air, casual. You know, whatever. No, this means that you purposely took this thing, um, and that would just be based. That's actually based on hospital clinical data. These and that, and it's not actually a. It's more of a range. If you fall within this range, um, and so again, the if you want to beat a drug test, here's what you do. Don't work for a company that. Drug test their employees. Right. Number one. That's one option. Well, you shouldn't be. Yeah, don't right. Take the test. What, if, what if you like store your urine samples from before you took the drug? Wow, you have some drug wow. doing forethought yeah. going on. Again, that doesn't get around the monitoring situation, right? If you're if you're a fresh sample, plus the temperature is another thing they can take, um, and that's just a quick. That especially takes, I guess you can get one of those sous <laughs> Warm up your pee. Oh my god! You <laughs> have really thought, thought about this, man. Yeah, <laughs> but the show doesn't drug test. At right? what point? At what point do you start saving pee? Like when you're seven? <laughs> I'm gonna one day. I'm gonna be a real junkie, but I'll show that corporate boss of mine. Mr. Gates, we're really deeply concerned about your low testosterone level. <laughs> Look, man, my nuts ain't dropped yet. What do you want from me? Yeah, second bit of advice I would give is really, you know, count for an employee who's who's cheap and has hired an incompetent lab. Um, <laughs> But, you know, finding out, first of all, it's going to look suspicious if you go to your employer and say, so what was the actual name of the lab that you're going to be using for this drug test? Right. Okay. Do they have a website? Do you know what that is? Like, that might look suspicious because all of their QA or quality control, quality assurance documents, a lot of that information as far as, hey, look how good we are at our job, that's available on the on the website, so you can find out how good they are at their job. And then again, it does look kind of suspicious if you ask specifically which company are we going with. All right, I guess we'll just go with don't try to be drug. Yeah, don't do drug skins. <clears throat> yeah. And don't work for a place that drug tests. is run by dicks. <laughs> They're going to drug <laughs> test you. It should just be based on your job performance, not what you're doing in your free time, yo. <laughs> Unless you're like murdering babies right. in your free time. Then you're just like... Um, you probably shouldn't work anywhere. Right. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right. Another science bit for Dr. Krieger. Yes. Is it about more monkeys fucking pigs? Because I liked that part. No. No, no, no. What a, there was a time that Archer got amnesia. And, yes. Yes. Uh, and there was a, a meeting in Mallory's office right. where they were talking about how do we bring him back? Yeah. And Krieger... They're weighing him on the head with a frying pan. Yeah. Krie well, Krieger came up with the idea that it, it's important to do this slowly because memory is so fragile. Yeah. So where did that come brain. from? Yeah, where did that come from? What? That memory is fragile in the show. I don't know. Oh, no, uh, no, not that part. This idea that, uh, you know, you have to be careful about it. I mean... Well, look, we know memory is fragile. It's reconstructive as opposed to, you know, reproductive. So My memory just... is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so people are delusional um, <laughs> about their memory accuracy. Uh, but what I thought was really interesting is this, you know, this myth that uh, you have to be careful because if you bring back the memory too quickly, um, you know, that might cause them to go into, you know, a state of shock or somehow, like, just blow up their brain. Uh, uh, Adam right. probably Googled uh, amnesia <laughs> and an amnesia recovery, maybe, and just read a couple of things, or he just went, 
Eh, fuck it, it's a cartoon. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I need some dialogue here. I'm going to make it look like Krieger's actually concerned about something. You know, I kind of want to see his Google search history. Really? <laughs> uh, do, do, do you guys know Phil Plate, the astronomer? Sure. Uh, <laughs> Phil, I was at Comic-Con this past year, and I'm buddies with Phil, and he really wanted to meet Adam so much because he wanted to talk to him about this Parsec thing that Adam had just put in the show in the last season. And... Finally got them together, and Phil was so excited, and he like laid this whole intricate question on Adam, and Adam went, "I don't know, dude. I I just I just Googled like time travel or something. And that's all." <laughs> and Phil was like, "Oh," and like went away. I was like, "Wow, I really fucked up Phil's psyche, his fragile psyche, right now." No, I don't know. I really don't know where Adam comes up with his scientific. I, I'm assuming it's going to be Google or some old hilarious book. Or the dailymail.co.uk. Yeah, yes. probably he's probably a subscriber. He probably gets uh, Mail Plus uh, and pays his $8.99 to get the extra stories. Wait, how fragile is memory? What are we talking about here? Um, well, it depends on what you mean. I mean, do you mean, you know, how let's easily just, do we forget things? Yeah, let's or? just talk about the amnesia, because it's, okay. it's a big show trope, right? Yes. That you can get yes. bonked on the head, and suddenly you don't remember anything. What actually is amnesia? What's going on? Okay, so there are two forms of amnesia. There's the form that is caused by some kind of a neurological insult, uh, and then there's psychic... <laughs> Wait, oh, I could be like, <laughs> Indra, <laughs> your brain's so fat. Yeah, like what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember anything. That reminds me that sometimes you, scientists use terms that mean different things in the general public. No, it means like trauma to the brain. Like, you know, an actual bump to the head might cause, you know, some kind of actual physical damage to yeah. the brain, right? Um, and then there's psychogenic amnesia, which means that there isn't any obvious neurological damage, um, but that there's usually an underlying psychological cause as opposed to a neurological right. cause. You're blocking shit out. You're blocking shit out. So the truth is, is that psychogenic amnesia is very, very rare. And it's the kind of amnesia that people, you know, hear about in soap operas or on TV, which is, you know, I wake up and I don't know who I am, um, but I can remember what happened in the last hour or as the show, you know, goes on. You don't have any trouble remembering what happened in the, you know, course of that episode. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's rare and and usually doesn't doesn't we don't know that there's any kind of neurological insult that can cause that. Um, in terms of neurological uh, forms of amnesia, there are sort of two types. There's retrograde amnesia, which means that you can't remember anything that happened um, sort of around the time and before uh, the injury or the trauma. Yeah. Um, and then there's anterograde amnesia, which means you can't form new long-term memories after the, the incident. Um, so that means that you're kind of living in a, in a forever present. So you can maybe keep a conversation going for a couple of minutes, but as soon as the person you're talking to leaves the room and they come back, you don't know who they are again. They have to reintroduce themselves. That's kind themselves. of my life, but it's because I smoke <laughs> a lot of pot. Right. Uh, so just like, I'm like uh, I don't remember. It. What? What did we say? So, uh, yeah. Lucky, you're on a podcast. <laughs> you're on a podcast. Oh, is that what this is? Yeah, I'm in Davis. I was wondering what all my people were doing. What all these people were doing in my living room. <laughs> like, hey guys, when did the theater get set up here? When did I get married to a hairy woman? <laughs> wow. I envy um, your beard, darling. Uh, what is so, the yeah, Jason so, Bourne uh, okay, style of amnesia? Because somebody gave him that one. Yeah, so that one's kind of unclear. But let me just say that pure retrograde amnesia, so a bonk on the head and I don't remember what happened in my past, doesn't exist almost. Like, right, I don't only know on any the cases. Flintstones and Archer. Yeah, the only thing that you... Exactly. What you sometimes see is anterograde amnesia. That's most common. Um, so this is, you know, the, I can't remember, you know, what happened 10 minutes ago, and, you know, that, that kind of, um, since the time of the injury. And sometimes you have anterograde amnesia plus some retrograde amnesia if the insult yeah. is long, is, is sort of long, big enough. And that's because the part of your brain, your hippocampus, that lays down new long-term memories, um, the sort of newest memories are kind of in this volatile state. And it takes them a little bit of time and a little bit of remembering for them to be independent of the hippocampus. And the hippocampus is really vulnerable to injury, particularly um, lack of oxygen because of the way that it it functions. It's able to lay down these new memories really quickly, which makes it awesome, but also makes it vulnerable to injury. So, so that's why when you get a hippocampal damage, you'll get this inability to form new long-term memories. And depending on how bad the damage is, you might lose the memories that haven't yet been consolidated. 
Um, so the so there's best, a chance I won't remember this. Uh, <laughs> there's, a big, there's a good chance, but the best actually uh, film depiction of this is the movie Memento. Um, you oh, guys, yeah, 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 because yeah. yeah, he does a really good job yeah. of like showing that he has to constantly remind himself, and he's got he loses like the thread of what he's doing all the time. But the Jason Bourne type, you know. It, it doesn't make any sense. So, so next season on on Archer, just just tell Archer that he's faking it. I will. <laughs> You're faking all of it, Archer. <laughs> hey, I I was on a podcast and I know things now. I'm just gonna go off script at recordings. That actually might be a line that Doctor Krieger says. I feel like it would. <laughs> So I want to give the audience a chance to weigh in with a couple of questions. Um, so I don't know if we have a mic that we can. Oh, here we go. So if you have, if you have a question coming for, up for Dr. And, Krieger, uh, especially. Oh, not just uh, for me. For, uh, for anyone. Trust me, you guys are a lot more fascinating than I am. Let's talk about crime scenes. What? No. Yes. Go ahead. Oh well, yeah. If you have a question about the crime scene, ask. I mean, who doesn't have questions about crime scenes? What's the grossest crime scene? That I've ever been to? Sure, yeah. let's go with that one. Oh, yeah, that had to be uh, at least a two-week decomp. So, body was left in an apartment, and the building had no AC. It was the summer. Ooh, it's like the movie Seven. Um, when and that there was, you know, the, SpaghettiOs the guy dies. Full bloating, right? So, you have all the gases, you know, you're de decomposing, you make a lot of volatile material that actually want to be as gases, but they're trapped because your skin does a good job, thank goodness, of keeping your liquidy bits in and the gas parts in. Um, and so this, you know, deceased person was, and there's lots of, you know, when you start to decay, it's really interesting colors, you know, turquoise, um, black. Turquoise? turquoise? Why turquoise? Yeah, turquoise, shades of green, um, shades of blue, and they kind of, in the, in the, in the middle boundary, it looks turquoise and black, but the bloating was so extensive it, and descended like you you wouldn't have tried to identify anyone because it, the bloating was so bad but it was also so bad that you didn't want to touch because you're looking at basically a human bomb there was any puncture to the surface of the skin all of that pent-up gas and liquid under pressure was going to blow and so it was a very precarious situation and again the decomp was so advanced this person got put in a freezer the transport was, was done very slowly. It took several hours. It was put in a freezer. And then, you know, a lot of law enforcement, they're very tough, right? We all try to outdo each other and how badass we look at it. You're like, and this doesn't smell bad. I don't know what you're talking about. And internally, you're like, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm, no, but hold it together. Was it, all, it was the worst smell you've ever smelled. By far. But I thought it was by far the worst. Not at all. <laughs> they had a special... Congratulations, folks that haven't eaten dinner yet. <laughs> it is a special autopsy suite for these types of situations that had its own independent ventilation system. And I've never... I mean, again, these are very, you know, law enforcement people and forensic scientists who tend to pride ourselves on, like, being able to, like, I right, this nothing goes yeah, I can out, take right? it. Whatever, right? Um, so we're all like, yeah, yeah, let's do autopsy. Medical examiner cuts, just cuts into the body. And the smell... Everybody involuntarily like took like three giant steps backwards. Like you could actually es escape at number one. And then it was like it was it was just that visceral reaction to smell that you know people who you know are so tough and whatever. It was it was I have never smelled and I have smelled a lot of dead bodies allegedly. Uh, wait, wait, why allegedly? Why, why? It's your job. Like, are you well, allegedly me. not doing your work? Well, I hope she's not going like <laughs> right over the. <laughs> but you did. Oh. The smell is important because it told us, you know, it tells you something about what's going sure. on. Um, and of course, the myth is do never never do va Vicks vapor rub. It actually makes it worse. Um, at first, the, the mint masks the smell, but you've actually opened up your sinus passages, which is its job. So the minute the mint wears off, if you're still in the room. So Silence of the Lambs lied to us. Yeah. So, Fuck you, know, you, Jonathan Demi. You just want swimmer's <laughs> plugs. You want swimmer's plugs. You just want to block the... Yeah, and so, you know, of all your senses, the olfactory sense is the only one that has a direct connection to your hippocampus, essentially, to your memory regions. Yeah, and smell memory is the biggest. Highly interconnected. Uh, yeah, when you smell right. something in, yeah, I yeah. smell a girlfriend of mine in college a lot. So there's so some strong. scent, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. for uh, Rachel Beezer. It happens a lot, yeah. It's, 
really Car weird. Noir is like my kryptonite. It's just like there's a lot of women that feel that like way. In a, in a good way. <laughs> I will not. Suddenly, answer that the question. stock of Dracar Noir at the Hilton. <laughs> But yeah, so Ray, do you have like this association now? Do you, can you smell that in your mind's nose? <laughs> well, every, you know, I mean, living. Hold on. Your mind's nose. Well, I think every time, definitely, the you know, you get certain attuned smells. But every time, and I live in a semi-rural town, small town in Nebraska, and you know, there's just you know, farm life and things die and whatever. It's like you you've just gotten so you know. It's weird to be. That's a different. A totally different scenario, but when I smell, you know, just normal kind of farm animals or critters or whatever, deer or whatever, as soon as I smell it, it's like, because oh, then I'm 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 tired looking around, thinking I'm going to see not what I should see in this scenario, which is like a dead squirrel. This right? is quite the ad for your so. small town. <laughs> <laughs> There's just dead things everywhere. Wow, but. yeah, that, that's a good TV show. Small town I, in Nebraska, full of murder. <laughs> It's also the the CSI solves all murders just by smelling. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know. Investigation is. Snoopy. <laughs> Does a pretty good job. I mean, you can definitely. It's a smell that once you've actually smelled, and there is something about a human cadaver, a human corpse that I can. I know the difference. As soon as I smell a death, it's like okay, that's just an animal. You think is it because? Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, you think we evolved that specifically because like there's, we need to be able to sense danger or predation and that could be a sign of that you, you mean have we evolved a an ability to pick up the distinctive smell of uh, a, of human a corpse decay. of our own species yeah. because that might be something that we want to as I mean a danger that, signal i mean this, this the, i remember doing a podcast for npr about just the smell of protein decay i mean that's you know the whether it's plant proteins or animal-based proteins garbage smells the same no matter what corner of the world you are yeah. right if you're in the jungle in the amazon versus a you know you know walking down the alley in new york it smells the same, right? But there's something about the added to that of like of of blood or human or sickness, and it is kind of a warning thing for food wise because even if it smells that sickly sweet fermenting kind of a smell from a from a food or like danger perspective, it's a danger. I mean, you're well, that that yeah. I mean, we've evolved to we freak out about bad smells because of danger, right? Sure. Like, well, you don't want to go don't near it. Food. Don't yeah. Don't go to that place. Don't um, get stuck on the sky bridge. Are, yeah, do, yeah. Humans, <laughs> do, are humans maybe uh, have a special, an extra special stench because of the weird food we eat? Like, because we've, we've, uh, we're not just animals like grabbing and eating raw meats or seeds and plants. Like, we, we cook and we fuck with things and we eat a lot of Cheetos and shit like, like that. So does that create, like, different gases and different kind of things that are going to eject know, different lot, smells? A lot of the, 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 the smells that we're smelling, you know, when we think of decomp, a lot of them, you know, everything kind of breaks down the same way. But there is something about, you know, of, of how there's also a lot of things that are associated with, with violent crime as far as the smell of, of blood. You've very smelled like a, a copious volume of blood. You, it actually smells, and and a human being. But human is, blood, right? Well, no, but any blood. But we, when we, you know, start bleeding out at a at a high level, we bleed out a crap load of blood, like more than a squirrel, right? So the smell of, <laughs> of more than a, we have more blood than we a have squirrel. More blood than a squirrel. <laughs> what? So sometimes Shit. the at a, even a fresh scene, it's it's that overwhelming smell of of iron in the air that right. you can smell. You're like, wow. It actually smells metallic? It smells metallic. It's weird. That's the thing. It links into your, I mean, when you smell it, especially if you, again, if you've been exposed to certain things, is you can actually smell the metal, which sounds odd. No, but that's, we're made of that crap. It's a metallic smell that you can smell it first, and then the the decomp will start to happen. But there are, I mean, definitely, you know, the human cadaver dogs are trained very specifically in dogs. And we've even, you know, our whole analytical, there's a whole analytical arm that works on, quote, you know, electronic noses, trust trying to mimic that. But even better than the dog is a certain type of rat that's in Africa. I have a friend, Danielle Lee, on Twitter, DN Lee 5 She studies this very particular type of rat, and they even have a better sense of discrimination. Because that's the thing, is you want to be able to discriminate between things. Not just, oh, it's dead, right? But between dead and I don't care, dead and I kind of care, right? Or between, like this type of explosive or that type of explosive. And these rats actually, they have a great sense of smell, but more importantly, they can discriminate between very similar smells. Humans are really pretty crap at that, but some humans 
are really good and they tend to gravitate towards being perfumers, being in food, and being in liquor. Tasters like sure. bourbon. That's not a sign. We don't judge that based on you know any kind of scientific technique. There's someone who does that and that's just this, they have this innate, inherent, better detector at both smell and taste. And they are beyond their peers to a level that even science and our instruments can't duplicate because it's so complicated. It goes with the neurological and the taste and the smell and the texture and they just, those special people, there's just a few of them in the world that have those jobs that, you know, then how do you find the replacement? That would be my first question. Yeah, there's a, there's a great chapter in Mary Roach's book, Gulp, about when she goes and tries to train to become an olive oil taster at UC Davis. They actually have like a course that you can take uh, and she did not pass. Yeah, that's what that's what you got to do to weed them out, right? <laughs> yeah, you have yeah. to sort of set up the special like if you think you have a heightened sense of taste and smell, then you should probably follow that path. And yeah, and there are people who aren't not good work at, at a sewage treatment plant. Good, at, you know, some people are really good at oh that smells bad, but could you discriminate between say fifty seven floral scents? <clears throat> Like, the, that level of discrimination right. is like, Yeah, like no. having a dog's nose, right? right. I mean, yeah. you know, I'd be like, I think that's roses, and that's not. That yeah. would be about where I am. And so that's, but when it comes to certain smells, like maybe, again, the conditioning of the, the job experience I've had, maybe my discriminatory powers are with death. Um, and that's not really a marketable skill. Um, <laughs> I mean, you don't yeah. put that in your CV somewhere? Not can yet. smell death. I well, mean, it's, there's also these reports of these animals that go and uh, lay down in like cancer wards with uh, with people right. who are you know on their way out. That's and that not soothing, this, by the way. Well, and dog, there's, <laughs> there's so many stories of my dog knew I was having a heart attack before yeah. I had one because they can they can smell like the weird shit going on in your body, and they're like, uh oh, trauma's about to happen inside that dude. This person feeds me. Let me get help, or I will right. die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My link to food is about to die. Well, I think that's uh, fodder for a whole other episode. So, Lucky, what's yes. coming up for you? How can people find you? What do you have? Uh, I'm on the oh, Twitters. Well, before what, yes, the, no, the, yes. What's coming up for Krieger first? Yes. Oh. I, I, you know what? I can't say. Uh, at the end of season six, we were banned by the CIA to ever engage in espionage ever again, or we would all go to jail. And so, what? yeah. Oh, and on so, the show. On the yeah. show. Oh, I was going to say, what are you guys doing at your rap parties? No, this is all on the show. I have no real life. I have to live through Krieger. Uh, the CIA has banned us from being, and so it's, we've got new, uh, we've got new uh, occupations in season seven, oh and I still God. can't say anything about it, but it's uh, really are you still awesome. Are a scientist of sorts? I'm a huge science nerd. Yeah, I, I really am. I keep up on like all of this stuff. Uh, it, I, I, I love it. It's science is the way, guys. It's all about science. It's, all the answers lie there. It's really great. So what? What's uh, you can you can find him on the oh, Twitter. I'm on the Twitters at, at Lucky Yates. Both Y's are there. Uh, Instagram. I work at Dad's Garage Theater here in Atlanta. If uh, you're local or in the uh, tri-state area, I don't know. I don't even know what our tri-state area tri would be. Area? I don't know what it would be. I guess Alabama and Tennessee, maybe. I don't know. A cool. Any chance we're gonna ever see you work with Alton Brown again? Yes, I hope so. Yes, I'm gonna say yes because he keeps having meetings with me saying we're going to do something. So yes. Let's hold them to it. Awesome. What about you, Ray? Um, I can be found at Twitter at Dr. Rubidium um, because chemists lack imagination. So if we find our name on the periodic table, we'll just go with that. Um, and so that would be the best way to find me. I'm doing a bunch of panels on the science track. So science track is right next door. Feel free to stop in. There's some be some great panels this weekend. Cool. So that's it for another episode. I want to thank you for joining us for this installment of Inquiring Minds. And we'd also like to thank our supporters on our new Patreon campaign, which we launched last week. Special thanks to Sean Johnson and Nick Cadillac, who I'm pretty sure are spies uh, because their names sound totally Nick like Nick Cadillac. And he <laughs> must be related to Ron Cadillac from Archer. Yeah. Like, we seriously, have a character named Ron Cadillac. Kid, I'm going to name him Nick Cadillac. That's yeah, a great name. I hope that guy is <laughs> doing some kind of agent of something. So thanks, Nick and Sean. You can visit our website at inquiringshow.tumblr.com and you can support us on patreon.com slash inquiringminds. You can also find us on Twitter at inquiringshow and Facebook and you can send us comments, feedback, future guest ideas, your favorite Archer episodes or anything else you'd like to inquiringminds at climatedesk.org. And once again, this episode is sponsored by The Great Courses. 
The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips. With over 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming, or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of 80% off the original price of practicing mindfulness and introduction to meditation. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash inquiringminds to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash inquiringminds. Inquiring Minds is produced by non-cosplayer Adam Isaac, who's asleep in the corner of our live show <laughs> in cooperation with the Climate Desk, a journalistic collaboration in partnership with The Atlantic. Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting, The Guardian, Grist, Mother Jones, Slate, Wired, City Lab, Medium, and The Huffington Post. Our research assistant is Caitlin Smith. Our music is provided by award-winning producer Rian Sheehan and Danica Johnson somehow got me in this courtesy. <laughs> and we're your hosts. I'm Indre Viscondas. You can find me on Twitter at Indre Vis. And I'm Kishore Hari at Science Quiche. No pictures, please. Thanks. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.